The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I read a story this week about a man in the 1920s who sold the Eiffel Tower to an unfortunate duke. This fellow, a con man, Victor Lustig was his name, was very successful as a con man, and he arrived in France in the 1920s and read in the paper that the city of Paris was having a hard time maintaining the Eiffel Tower. It's a lot of work to keep it up, to paint it and repair damage. And so the article that he read in the newspaper had hinted at the possibility of just scrapping it. And in fact, the sentiment at the time among the people of Paris was that might not be such a bad idea. So Victor Lustig had an idea. And he called together a special meeting of all kinds of folks who work in the metal scrap business. He invited them to a fancy hotel and uh, fed them a nice dinner and looked like he was an expert on the matter and described to them the trouble and elicited bids from them to scrap the Eiffel Tower. While he was doing that, he was paying close attention to see who would be most likely, most likely to fall for this ruse. And so he picked out the guy who was most insecure, trying to make his way in the ranks of whatever Parisian classes there were. And this fellow, uh, he invited to a special dinner, just the two of them, made it a little bit clear that uh, he'd be open to a bribe to give this guy the bid. And that fellow, this poor fellow, offered him 70,000 francs for the contract to scrap the Eiffel Tower. And Victor Lustig had this idea in mind. He said, this is, this is a great deal for me because once I get the cash, I'm leaving town and that guy will never report it to anybody because he doesn't want to be ashamed of falling for this ruse. And that's exactly what happened. So Victor Lustig walked away, having sold the Eiffel Tower to this poor, unfortunate dupe. That fellow who was invited to the meeting, he got Victor Lustig all wrong. He didn't know who he was. He thought he knew who he was, but he had him all wrong. And it was dreadful for him. Of course, he was cheated out of all kinds of money, but worse than that, perhaps, is his pride. His pride was brought quite low. Who do you think you are if you can be so easily fooled by a con man like that? It's very easy. It's very easy to get someone all wrong, even if they're not trying to con you. 
It's very easy to get someone all wrong, to misapprehend who they are, to think that they are someone when they are someone else entirely. And that's what's at stake in our gospel lesson this morning. Two different ways you might get someone wrong. So John the Baptist is sitting in prison, and he's been thinking about Jesus really since he was six months in his mother's womb. Remember, Mary came to visit his mother Elizabeth, and when Jesus entered into the room inside Mary's womb, John the Baptist leaped for joy. He's been thinking about this for a long time, and yet here John the Baptist sits in prison, and he wonders, is Jesus the Christ? Is he who I thought he was? Or have I been duped? Is this some sort of a con? Are you the one we are to look for, or should we look for another? Are you the Christ? Are you the promised one? Are you the one for whom I have been preparing the way my whole life? That's the question John is asking. That's one way to get someone wrong, to find out that you are duped. But there's another way, and this is what Jesus is concerned about in our lesson. After he sends John's disciples back to John to report about what Jesus has been doing, Jesus turns to the crowds and he says, what did you come out in the wilderness to see? When you came to hear the preaching of John the Baptist, what were you looking for? What were your expectations? Were you looking for a reed shaken in the wind or somebody dressed in fancy clothes? What did you come out to see? Did you come out to find a prophet? After all, it's possible to get someone wrong in this way, to want them to be someone other than who they are, to want them to be a different person. That happens often, I think, especially in romantic relationships. Maybe you know these kinds of stories. You get together with somebody because you want them to be a certain person. You want them to be a certain way, and then you find out later that's not who they are, and you get upset, but of course it's not their fault. It's your fault, because you wanted them to be someone different from who they are. It's possible to get someone all wrong. Now, the glory of today's lessons and the glory of the Advent season into Christmas and all the way to Easter is this. It is that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. Moreover, Jesus is exactly who God said he would be. There is no con here. There is no mistake. There is no possibility of misapprehending, misunderstanding who Jesus is because he has told us who he is. So you will not be found the victim of a con. You will not have been duped. But it's also important that we get our expectations right, that we don't desire for Jesus to be someone other than who he says he is. Let's take a closer look at what Jesus does in our gospel lesson this morning. Start with what he says about John. The people had all kinds of ideas about who John might be or who a prophet should be or what kind of message they might hear when they went out into the wilderness. What did you go out to see, Jesus asks them. A reed shaken in the wind? That is, did you go out to hear preaching that just sort of ebbs and flows with the tides of our times, that's blown by the wind? that is interested in what people think or their opinions and so changes depending on the mood of the people around. Did you go out to hear John preaching what you wanted to hear? That's what Jesus asks. A reed so easily shaken by the wind. Is that what you were hoping to find? You would have been very disappointed if you had gone out to hear that from John. After all, John was ready to spit with venom at anyone who thought they knew who John was. He says to the Pharisees, woe to you. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Have you come out here in repentance? Or have you come out here to hear what you want to hear? 
John, as a preacher, was immovable, incorruptible. No one could bribe him, no one could sway him, because his preaching was from God. He preached what God said. He spoke God's word. And as St. Paul tells us, that's all that is required of a preacher, that he be found faithful, stewarding what God says. Don't go out into the wilderness hoping to find a reed shaken by the wind. Don't listen to preaching hoping that you will hear comfortable things that you want to hear. Instead, expect, as the people should have expected from John, expect to hear God's word. Did you go out to find a man dressed in fine clothing, somebody who is seeking comfort? You would have been all wrong and you could have known that. After all, John was in the wilderness dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. If he wanted to be comfortable, he would have picked any other job than being that preacher in the wilderness. Did you go out to find a man dressed in fine clothing? If you wanted that, you should have gone to a king's palace. If John was seeking comfort, ease, in this world, then he would have betrayed the very gospel that he was preaching. After all, the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is a message about comfort not in this life, but a comfort in eternity. The proof for John is in the pudding, or the proof for us about John is in the pudding. He's in prison in our lesson today because he preached against King Herod. Not something you want to do if you want to remain comfortable. He preached against King Herod, who had taken his brother's wife as his own. And John said, that's unlawful. You can't do that. And so Herod threw him in jail. What did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind or a man dressed in fine clothing? Neither of these things is John. John really is the best preacher there ever was. Not shaken. Not afraid. Steadfast in declaring God's word even to those who did not want to hear it, and preparing the way for Jesus. This was John's commission from the outset, to be that voice crying in the wilderness, preparing hearts for Jesus. How does that happen? What does it take for our hearts to be prepared for Jesus? It is not tuning our ears to the things we want to hear. It is not looking for comfortable messages, but it is repentance. It is reckoning once and for all with the depth of our sin, the darkness of our hearts, and praising God that he has preached comfort to us, freedom from sin and death and hell. That's what John came to do. After all, medicine doesn't do you any good if you don't know that you are sick. A resurrection doesn't do you any good if you don't think that you are dead. And so John came, knocking down towers, knocking down idols, taking the axe and laying it at the root of the tree. Why? So that what is rotten and what is destructive and what is dead can be cast away and new life can begin. That's what John has come to do, and that's what Jesus wants us to expect. John was a prophet, and more than a prophet, Jesus says, among those who are born of women, no one is greater than John. But you, you sitting here today, you who listen to God's word, you who hear the preaching of the gospel and believe it, Jesus says you are greater than John. The message is the same today as it ever was. Preaching is the same today as it ever was. What did you come out here to hear? What did you come out here to see? Repent and believe. Acknowledge what John so desperately wants you to hear. Acknowledge what Jesus so desperately wants you to believe, that on your own, by your own devices, by your own strength, you are going nowhere fast. And worse than that, you're digging a grave for yourself. Repent of your sins. Leave them behind and praise God that he has borne every last one of them 
to the cross for you. So that the verdict for you concerning your sins is not death, not guilt, but life and innocence. That's the final stroke. It's like the gavel came down at the cross and God said, I declare all of you innocent in my son. Repent and believe. That's what Jesus says of John. Repent and believe what he has preached to you. And look forward to the peace, the comfort that comes from Jesus. And the other way you can get a person wrong is to be duped by them, to be conned by them. And that's what John is concerned about. He knows the scriptures. He knows our lesson from Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended and her iniquity is pardoned. Is it true? Can it possibly be true? Can that message be real? Or is it too good to be true? Is there some catch? Is there some condition? Is there some contingency? Do I need to shape up? Do I need to have all the right answers? Do I need to figure some things out first? Do I need to ask God special pardon in my case? Do I have to hide some things away? Do I have to look, you know, look a little bit off to the side? Can I look him really in the eye, straight in the eye, and believe that he loves me and that he has done good for me and that he wishes to give me eternal life? Can that be true? In fact, it is, because Jesus is exactly who he said he would be. Jesus is exactly the one promised by God. And this is the story of the scriptures. This is the value of knowing the scriptures from beginning to end, because it is all about Jesus. Starting back in the Garden of Eden, when God promised that one day, a man like us, sinless man, a man without guilt, a perfect man who trusts his Heavenly Father, he would come and he would crush the serpent's head. He would defeat our enemies once and for all. He would rescue us from everything that has weighed us down, from all of the burdens that we carry in our lives. He would save us from all of that. All the way back in the beginning, that was promised to you. And that promise never changed. You hear it echoed throughout the scriptures from one chapter to the next. God has been preparing us, preparing this world for Jesus since the foundation of the world. And he has been preparing your hearts since the day you were born. How is it that you come to be here listening to the preaching of the gospel? How is it that you find yourself in the presence of God, a merciful God who loves you and offers you the forgiveness of sins? How is it except by his grace, by his mercy, by his love and kindness for you? Believe and do not doubt that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is exactly who God said he would be, that he has come fulfilling every last little bit of the Old Testament, every last little bit of the promises of God down to the details. There is no sin, no sorrow, and no grief that Christ has not come to redeem and restore. There is no part of you that he intends to leave behind. He loves you entirely. He has given his whole life for you, his flesh and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Blessed are you, when you are not offended by me. That is when you don't stumble on this. When you don't come up short. When you don't think maybe it's not true or maybe it's not worth it or maybe I'm not really so bad. Blessed are you when you are not offended but when you rejoice. When you rejoice in the Lord always. Your redemption is here. This is the preaching of John which is so glorious. Rejoice for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the news that every faithful Israelite wanted to hear. At long last, at long last, we have arrived. That's the message of Advent for you as well. Hold tight to that. 
The world sets all kinds of things in front of you, all kinds of expectations and hopes that will fail. None of them will pay off in the end. But Jesus is exactly who he said he would be. If you put your trust in him, if you believe his words, if you hold fast to his promises, you will not be disappointed. You will not be put to shame, and instead, you will rejoice eternally. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.